that really is your heart's cry, could you take about 10 seconds and give him all your worship, all your praise? If everything you have, let everything that have breath praise ye the Lord from the depths of your soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, my soul cries out to you, Jesus. My spirit cries out to you, Jesus. I worship you, I worship you, I worship you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. What a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord tonight. And, uh, you know, I know how it is. I, I know that life is busy and sometimes we're just doing our duty when we get ourselves ready to be in the house of God. But we should remind ourselves that every moment in his presence is a privilege. And to be able to enter into his courts with praise and to be able to step into the glory of the Lord tonight is something that we should be thankful for. Are you glad that we can step into his presence tonight? And he doesn't, he doesn't leave us when we call on his name, when we lift up his name. He is there. He is here in this place right now. Whatever it is you need tonight, he is here. And he's able to meet the need. He's able to touch your life. I'd like to direct your attention to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And we're going to read verses 1 through 3. Romans 10, 1 through 3. Wasn't that a tremendous message that pastor preached this morning? I'm thankful that God not only gives us what we need, he gives us more than what we need. Amen. I'm thankful for the presence of the Lord. Romans 10, 1 through 3. If you have that, say amen. Paul said this, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Everyone said saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. Look at your neighbor and say, they were passionate about God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Look at your neighbor and say, I need to be submitted to the righteousness of God. And so I'm preaching tonight a unique title, and I might need to explain it to some of you after I give it. I'm preaching Kanye West might be sincere. Kanye West might be sincere. Put your Bibles down, lift up your hands, lift up your heart. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Lord, in your name, I pray you'd speak to us, minister to us, help us, God. Lord, we want to walk in your will. We want to know your word and put it deep in our spirit, deep in our heart, I pray. We give you praise and glory. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. God bless you. You can be seated. No one, no one likes an insincere person. Don't look at anybody near you, but have you ever known an insincere person before? Uh, they're, they're the kind of person that, that you just don't trust. They just, 
Uh, they just seem untrustworthy. And you can tell. Insincere people can do, can do nice things for the wrong reasons. And, and you can sense that. You can sense insincerity from a person. Even if they're... You ever had someone give you a gift before, but you knew there was a string attached to that gift? I've had people give me gifts that I didn't want to accept because I knew if I took that gift in their eyes, I was going to owe them something even more than that gift was. And so that's insincerity. And uh, as humans, we, we, are, we are pulled away from insincerity. We don't like it. And uh, sometimes it's hard to tell. Some people hide their insincerity well, and they seem sincere for a while, but it's hard to keep that facade going for very long. It's, it's just difficult because sincerity is, when it's real, it just flows naturally from the human heart. And when it's not real, it's just plain hard work. You know what I'm talking about because uh, over the holidays, some of you are going to be around family members that you don't like, but you're going to have to pretend like you like them. And uh, that's called insincerity. You're going to try to smile and you're going to try to say nice things and you're going to try not to argue over turkey, but you are insincere in your spirit. Some of y'all look so convicted right now and you know what that feels like. That's insincerity. But Sincerity is a good thing. It's good to be a sincere person, someone who is earnest, we might say, uh, someone who is striving to be truthful, someone who wants to know the truth. Sincere people not only want to know the truth, they want to tell the truth. Sincere people uh, don't enjoy gray areas. They, they want to be open and upfront with people. And uh, you can see it in a, in a person's eyes oftentimes when sincerity shines through. And I, I appreciate sincere, honest people who don't have a hidden motive or a hidden agenda. Hidden motives are, are, are dangerous things because they, they cause people to pretend to be one thing while they're trying to achieve another thing. And I, I appreciate people, even, even in sales, you know, I'm looking for... Uh, a vehicle right now because my car was totaled. And, and I appreciate it when salespeople are just honest and upfront and say, you can't afford this car. I know that's not what they're supposed to do with their, with their job, but uh, I appreciate the sincerity, just the openness, the honesty. I'd rather that than someone play games with me until we get to the end and we've wasted a lot of time. Sincerity. But you can be sincere... And you can be wrong at the same time. You know, we live in a world where we value sincerity almost too much. Almost too much. And we look at sincerity as being really the ultimate goal at times. We, we wonder, we question, is that person sincere? What's sincere about that individual? And oftentimes we will believe a sincere person even when they're wrong. We believe them because we're drawn to them. We believe them because uh, they may not even realize they're wrong, but they are wrong. And you can be very sincere and hurt someone very much. Amen? 
you know, I was thinking about examples of this, and uh, I, was, I had been doing some reading about uh, doctors at the turn of the different centuries, and uh, very sincere doctors in the 1700s would cut people when they were sick, and they would draw blood. They called it bloodletting. These were doctors of medicine. These were respected men who took an oath to help people and to do no harm to people. And very sincerely, they would cut them and they would bleed them. Sometimes they'd put leeches on them. Can you imagine? And, and allow them to draw the blood. In fact, many, many people died because of bloodletting. But the doctors were convinced that this was letting the poison out of your body. This was taking the toxins out of your body. And the only way that you could recover was to get a little of that bad blood out. In reality, they were often helping people to bleed to death. Killing them oftentimes on their deathbed. Killing them when they really would have recovered without much problem. But the doctors were sincere but their sincerity was wrong. You know, uh, when you go to the doctor in a serious situation and you ask them for help, you don't really care how sincere they are. You care how right they are. Nobody chooses their doctor based on how sincere they are. They base their opinion of a doctor on how right they are and can they help me or can they not help me? I was thinking of, of my mother and I don't remember how old I was, but she went in for a routine procedure. She was having a, a, a what was she having again? A gallbladder removed and, and while the doctor was in there, she'd been in pain for a long time. And it took him a long time to diagnose it in the first place. And she went in for the surgery, routine surgery. Uh, and they got the gallbladder out. And she grew worse after they took the gallbladder out. In fact, she started to turn orange and, and was in a lot of pain. And, uh, and the doctor, they, they, were, they were struggling to figure out what had happened. And they came in one day. And the doctor said to her, I, I hate to have to tell you this. And I'm, I might not be saying it just right. But he said... <laughs> I don't want to say it, but while I was in there removing your gallbladder, I nicked your bile duct. And so now you have toxins flooding through your body. In fact, it was so bad that if they hadn't corrected it quickly, it, it would have killed her. Because even though she had a good, kind, sincere doctor, he made an error that could have been fatal. We understand this when it comes to our bodies and, and physical life and death situations. But when it comes to the spiritual realm, sometimes we have a hard time making this distinction because we think, well, they're, they're sort of spiritual and they're sincere. And so that sincerity must be a good thing and that sincerity must be helping lots of people. But in reality, while they're in there trying to do something good, they can be killing people. Without even meaning to do harm. Their sincerity is of no value if it's not rooted in truth and grounded in righteousness. And so this brings me to the matter of uh, Kanye West. Someone that I've heard of most of my life. 15 albums. And uh, his most recent album is a Christian album. A gospel album, they call it. And if you're not familiar with Mr. West, he's a 
a very, very well-known rapper. I've been doing it most of my life, incredibly popular, um, millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. I read the other day, he's one of the richest entertainers in show business and uh, uh, has a long history in the business and, of course, uh, in, in past times was an incredibly vulgar artist. In fact, I was, I was reading through some of the lyrics of his past albums and, uh, and I, was, I, I really couldn't even find a song. I was thinking I might find one song that I might could uh, just read a couple of the lyrics, but I wouldn't even be able to read the lyrics from this pulpit because the vulgarity is so interwoven through the songs. It'd just be impossible for me, not to mention the themes of the songs, all of them sexual, some of them violent, certainly uh, very pro-drug use and alcohol use and all of these things. And, uh, and so this was his past. And recently, he's had a very high-profile uh, turn towards God. And I'm thankful for that. I think that's a good thing. How many are thankful when people start to make a turn towards God? Start to make a turn towards God. And, and uh, this created what I think of as a little bit of a controversy among Christians. Did you know there can be controversy among Christians? And uh, if you're if you're connected to social media at all, which, you know, if you're not, there's no point. But if you are, then you've you've seen some of this controversy played out on social media. So uh, I make it a a point to stay out of social media bickering. And I suggest that everyone in this church do the exact same thing. It doesn't help anybody to argue and to and to point fingers or to get into long, drawn-out, controversial opinions publicly on the Internet. It does no one any good. And so I, I've not commented on any of these things, but I have noticed that there's been articles written and uh, all kinds of posts made about Kanye West's new album that's entitled Jesus is King. In fact, it's interesting because it quickly became... Uh, the highest-selling record in the entire world. It just came out and just, just dominated the charts. And then, of course, he started doing uh, Sunday concerts and call it Sunday church concerts. And, uh, and so while I, was, while I was preparing for this message, I, I was looking at clips of, of different songs and different interviews that he'd had. And I was thinking uh, about the question that people keep posing uh, all And people have even come to me. I've even had people call me and ask me about this issue. Some people text me, write me uh, through the blog. People ask me, do you think, this is the question, do you think that Kanye West is sincere in his faith? Do you think he's sincere? And some people will say maybe he's just uh, pretending so that he can sell records. Maybe he's pretending because it, it has. It's given him tremendous exposure because uh, it really is quite shocking for someone to go from the kind of artist that he was and the kind of lifestyle that he lived to suddenly uh, doing interviews where he's talking about reading his Bible at night and quitting drugs and leaving alcohol behind and how he's ashamed that he used to drink and how he's ashamed of, of how he used to uh, be in the drug culture and how he encouraged young people to be in the drug culture. He's, he's gone back and he's, uh, he's denounced a lot of the things that he used to preach. And by the way, that's a word that he used. He said, I used to preach for the devil. 
See, you think some of these singers are just doing stuff for fun, but in reality, they are working for the devil. And sometimes they know it. And he talked about this at length. And, and, uh, and so I, I, I was pondering the question that so many people were asking, is he sincere or is he not sincere? And uh, as I was looking through uh, the different articles about him and things that he said, I, I kept coming back to this in my mind. It's very possible that he might be sincere. He might be. He really might. I don't know. And you don't know either. Because we've never met him. We've never had a conversation with him. It's hard to know. It's hard to judge someone from this far away. In fact, sometimes I, I wonder if people around me are sincere. And so it's difficult for me to ask whether or not Kanye West is sincere because sometimes I'm just trying to figure out if you're sincere. <laughs> but then it dawned on me in prayer that we're asking the wrong question. Christians are asking the wrong question. We're wanting to know, is it real? Is it not real? I'll just be honest with you. As I really thought about it, I started looking through some of the singers that I listen to, some of them even apostolic, and uh, I don't know if they're sincere. Y'all got so quiet. I don't really know. Maybe. Sometimes we think so. In fact, oftentimes you start finding out whether there's sincerity there years down the road because Jesus said you'll know them by their fruit. For all the crowd that says judge not lest ye be judged, you're taking that scripture out of context. Number one, that's a big discussion. But number two, you need to answer to me why Jesus would say there's going to be wolves that come in sheep's clothing and there's going to be all of these things. And, and then here's how you'll know. He said, here's how you'll know if they're a false prophet, if they're a false teacher, if they're a wolf in the flock. The way you'll know is that you'll, you'll be able to judge their fruit. And so Jesus told us we have to look at the fruit and we have to make a judgment call. Is this good or is this bad? So you say to me, I wonder if that preacher uh, is, is uh, doing what he ought to do. I know he was caught in adultery, but I, I just wonder, you know, is he, is he a wolf or not? And my answer is always he's a wolf because you know him by his fruit. And you say, well, maybe he's sincere in what he does, but here's the problem. And this is what glares at me from the church world. I'm preaching to the church tonight. I'm not preaching to the world. Two major problems have jumped out at me that live deep inside of the heart of the church world and the church culture. We have two issues. Number one, we often believe without meaning to that sincerity will save a person. Sincerity and salvation are not the same thing. I'm going to say it again so some of y'all in the back can hear me. Sincerity and salvation are not the same thing. Number two, what's jumped out at me, because there 
are Christians over here who really doubt Mr. West's sincerity, and so many people have spoken out very strongly against him. In fact, in some ways, I would say inappropriately so. I think there's been some people who have become uh, inappropriately anti his conversion, almost to the point that it, it would it would seem uncharitable. Uh, to jump to that conclusion without having taken time to look down the road and see the fruit that might be produced from his life. But then on the other side of that coin, to the opposite extreme, are Christians who are so desperate for a worldly hero that they will immediately throw him on a pedestal and almost worship him. We have an issue in the Christian world where I see this more and more. It's almost, it reminds me a little bit of how uh, the Israelites were. They had judges and they had prophets. And all of a the sudden they started saying, we want to have a king. We want to be like the other nations. We need somebody that we can rally around. We need somebody that we can look to and say, that's our king. And, and we can bow to him. And we can say, hey, look how strong our king is. We, they've got kings, but we've got a better king. And then in the end, they wound up with a Saul was a bitter backslider and ended up going to sorcerers and witches. Why? Because they wanted something that God did not intend for them to have. And in the church world, we should not be looking for man-made heroes that we can put on a pedestal and say, hey, look how cool our famous Christian star is. No, God hasn't called us to have Christian stars. We're to worship the Lord God and him alone shall we serve. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and he alone shalt thou serve. And I see this. I, I, I see this. And you know, this, this is a residue from all kinds of other problems taking place in the church. Can I preach to the church? Are you a part of the church? I'm going to preach to you for a minute. We've got people who are trying to have sports stars. And, you're, and I'm not saying you can't enjoy sports, but when you start worshiping people who throw a ball because you want to have heroes like the world has, you need to start worshiping God. If you can get excited on Sunday about a football game, but you can't even lift your pinky finger in the house of God, then you have idolatry in your heart and wickedness in your soul if you can spend thousands of dollars on your television and your movies and your sports stars and your games and your hobbies and your music and you can't even give one dollar to the kingdom of God you are full of idolatry and you need to run to an altar and say Lord forgive me I have a heart that is full of idol worship it's flooded our churches and we see it. We see it played out publicly on Facebook because, you know, pastors used to have to wonder what was going on in their church. And now all they have to do is go on Facebook. And so you, you get on Facebook and you see these people over here who are practically condemning Mr. West as uh, some kind of demon in disguise. And then on the other hand, you have people who are so eager to worship him and to have a hero that they can hardly contain their excitement. It's just we want to have someone that we can give us a king. 
Give us somebody that we can look up to and they won't even listen to their pastor when they tell him he need to be in church on Sunday night. They can't even listen to the people in their lives that God has placed there as authority. But they're looking for a worldly king that they can say, look how cool we are as Christians. The desire to be cool and trendy and acceptable is absolutely eating the American church alive. It's why we're not having revival like other countries are having revival. Because we want kings and we want heroes. And on the other side, here's the other side, we want to judge everybody so harshly that we won't even give anybody a chance to be saved. We look at people when they come at church and they got long beards and they smell bad and sometimes they walk in drunk and addicted and full of problems and we look down our nose and say God's not really going to do it. I rebuke it in Jesus name God took you out of the bar God took you out of the world God pulled you out of the miry clay don't you dare look down your nose at somebody who's trying to turn their life around Don't you dare mock them. Don't you dare laugh at them. Don't talk behind their back. Don't snub them. Don't refuse to shake their hand. Don't tell them they're not allowed to sit there. Love them into the kingdom of God. So I rebuke the spirit of self-righteousness and I rebuke the spirit of idolatry at the same time. We need to get in the middle and be where God wants us to be. So here's the problem that we have in church. We overcorrect. We say... Some of us have concerns. This is my danger. I, I've told people many times, I'm, I'm a strong, conservative, holiness, apostolic, Pentecostal. And here's the way I work in my life. If, there's, if this is the straight line, and over here is the right being more conservative, more careful, and over here is the left being less conservative, less careful, maybe there's a little gray area between those areas. If I'm going to err... In other words, if I'm going to make a minor error theologically or any other way, I would always rather make an error to the right because I know I'm on the safe side. I don't want to make errors to the left because now I'm close to the cliff. And I don't want to live my life on the line. And I don't want my children to live their life on the line. And I don't want your grandchildren to live their life on the line. Because if I live over here, your grandkids are going to live way, way, way over here. And that's not what God has called us to do. God has called us to be circumspect, to walk uprightly, to be sober-minded, to be vigilant. Because our adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion, roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. So I I err on this side of the line. And so uh, my tendency, that being the case, and I recognize this in my spirit. How many believe you ought to be self-aware? 
I recognize that when you're a person who trends towards erring to the right side of things, the danger that you have is that you will always trend towards judgmentalism and legalism. I have this in my own spirit. I have to be very, very careful. If you're not like me and you err the other way, the problem that you have is you err towards accepting things that will destroy your home and your family. So some of you are erring over here and you're accepting things and you might make it to heaven, but your kids are going to go to hell. Is that too strong? And then we're going to be over here. Now, the danger is when you become judgmental and legalistic, you can develop a mean spirit where when people like Mr. West start trying to come to God, or maybe we should start talking about people who don't have billions of dollars and nobody knows their name, but they walk in off Terra Boulevard on Sunday morning. You might ought to remember that they are a lost soul who needs Jesus, and it's not our job to figure out whether or not God can do it or whether or not they'll ever amount to anything or whether or not they're worthy or whether or not they're worthy. You weren't worth it, and you weren't worthy so love them until Jesus comes and so I see these glaring problems in the church world played out and really the whole world in fact I was listening to one of his songs and it was interesting and at first it really at first it really angered me when I heard it because you know I love the church and and I'm protective of God's people and you should be too and, uh, and so one of the songs, I, I was listening to a little clip of it, and, uh, and he said something along, I'm just kind of paraphrasing, but he said, you know, I told him I was going to make a gospel album, and he said, uh, yeah, the Christians were the ones who judged me first. The Christians were the ones who had bad things to say about me when I started trying to come towards God. And at first it offended me. I thought, oh, it's just another person bitter at the church and bitter at church people. And then I started seeing what the church was doing. And I realized it probably did hurt his feelings. It hurt your feelings too. And so I began to ponder this question. Sincerity. Everyone said sincerity. Sincerity. It's a good thing. But Jesus said in Matthew 7 and 13, listen carefully. Talking about heaven, he said, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat because straight is the gate and narrow. Everyone said narrow. And narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. Now listen, this is hard for some of you to hear. And few there be that find it. I'm going to want the whole world to be saved. I want the whole world to be saved. But did you know what Jesus said? Jesus already told us, and we don't like this because, you know, we want to dominate the world. I certainly, I want every single person on planet earth to be saved. But Jesus already told us that the majority was going to take the easy way. Jesus always prophesied it's going to be the minority that make the decision that I am going to be more than just sincere. A lot of sincere people take the broad way. 
A lot of sincere people take the easy way. But it takes someone who is not only sincere, but is concerned with truth and concerned with what God thinks to be able to step off the easy path and say, I'm going to walk down the narrow road that leads to life everlasting. I know the popular people are over there taking the easy road and they've got the big, big churches where everybody just kind of comes and plays and then goes to the ball game and then everyone lives however they want. But that's not what God told us to do. And so I'm getting off that easy way and I'm going to go down this narrow way because Jesus has called me to take the road less traveled. Sometimes it's dark and sometimes it's dangerous and sometimes it's curvy and sometimes I can't even see my foot when it's stepping out in front of me but then I call upon the name of the Lord and his word is a light unto my path. His word begins to illuminate my footsteps. Hey! And I almost slipped when I saw the prosperity of the wicked but then I came into the house of the Lord and I remember the goodness of God so here's here's the real question that genuine apostolic, truth-believing, Bible-believing, Holy Ghost-filled Christians should be asking themselves. Not, is Kanye West sincere or not? We should be asking, is he saved? Hello? Is he saved? Because if he's saved and he's sincere then praise the Lord, glory to God. But if he's sincere and he's not saved, then we should be saying, God, lead him to salvation. God, fill him with the Holy Ghost. God, give him the revelation of water baptism in your name, the only saving name. God, Draw him to holiness and righteousness, Lord. God, change him from the inside out. And if he's not sincere, it just won't take much time. And we'll know. I don't really care whether or not someone is sincere. I want them to be saved. And so... Now we come to the third problem that the church is facing, that you are facing, that your children are facing. And it's the question of what the Roman Catholic Church has begun to call inclusivism. Did you know that the Roman Catholic Church now teaches, according to Vatican II, that you do not even have to believe in Jesus to be saved as long as you're sincere? They now teach and believe that you can be a Jew who does not believe in Jesus, the blood of Jesus, or Calvary at all. But if you're sincere in your faith, that you can go to heaven and you can be saved. This not only includes the Jews, 
Now they have included this into the Muslim world where you can be a Muslim and if you are sincere in your faith that you can find salvation through Jesus even though you have never obeyed their form of the gospel. And by the way, their form of the gospel is no gospel at all. And so they have gotten so far down the rabbit hole that they don't even believe you have to say a little sinner's prayer anymore. All you've got to do is just be a sincere person and be saved. Now, you're saying to me that Pentecostal church will never be that way. And I'm saying to you that if we're not careful, it'll only take a few decades. And that's exactly what Pentecostal preachers will be preaching. We need to stand up and believe with all of our heart. There is one Lord one faith and one baptism we need to be able to stand up like they did in the book of acts and say repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the remission of we're going to have to believe with all of our heart. We're going to have to stop wanting to worship singers and worship people who are cool Christians who don't even believe the gospel in the first place. We need to get on our knees and weep for their salvation. I hope Kanye's sincere, but his sincerity won't save him unless he repents, is baptized in Jesus' name, and speaks in tongues as the Holy Ghost falls on his heart we're so desperate to make people saved we look for anybody maybe they're a Christian but that's not the question did you know that Christian is not a term for everybody there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians I know this is old-fashioned I know this is hard I'm preaching to the church tonight there's a reason I wouldn't preach this on a Sunday morning because I'm trying to help you understand the reason some of you don't pray and weep over people in your life that you love who do not have the Holy Ghost is because deep in your spirit you think well they're a good person they're sincere maybe that'll be enough and it's a lie from the the bottomless pit of hell you need to get on your knees and believe once again that the word of God is true and forever settled and we can only get to God through the power of the blood and you can only get the blood through the power of the cross and you can only have the cross applied when you die when you're buried and when you're resurrected speaking in other tongues The reason some of you haven't invited anyone to church in years is because deep in your heart you think maybe just being sincere is enough. Oh no, my friend. And by the way, some of the same people who talk like that about their family condemn Kanye West to hell. I want you to understand that sincerity is not the question. It's the word of God and salvation. We've got to believe it with all of our hearts. If we don't, we're just a few decades away from preachers getting up and saying, well, if you just kind of be nice to people, maybe you'll make it to heaven. And the whole world is lost and going to hell. The church needs to rise up and stand up and repent 
repent and say, Lord, we need to reach the lost because we believe your word. You won't believe they're lost if you don't believe his word. But if you believe his word, you understand we are called to go into the whole world and preach the gospel. Musicians, get ready. I'm almost done. Let me stand with me. Let me just talk to you for a minute because some of you still aren't sure. If sincerity could save you, and if that was the most important thing, then evangelism is one of the most wicked things you could ever do. Because the moment you tell someone the gospel and they reject it, even though they might be nice and somehow pseudo good and sincere, then you have done them a disservice by telling them they need to go deeper when they were already saved doing what they were doing. And see, this is where the church gets confused. Now, Roman Catholics are wondering why they're hemorrhaging people by the millions and thousands and why young people are rejecting the Catholic church literally in droves. They say that over 70% of Catholic millennials, in other words, kids who grew up in the Catholic church and now they're grown millennials about my age and a little bit younger, now about 70% of them are absolute atheists. They don't believe in any God at all. Why? Because they looked at a religion that had no substance it was dead it didn't believe anything anyway and they said it's fake it's not real there's probably not even a god you want to have revival in the apostolic church stop trying to be cool and just start serving god stop trying to act like the baptist and start dancing before the lord stop trying to look like the world and start trying to look like jesus stop trying to pray like the like the those who went before us who came into the house of God and they tried to pray through their own means but you pray in the spirit and you pray with urgency and you pray with a burden that draws people at some point we either believe in the gospel or we don't either the gospel is the same for everyone. By the way, how unfair would God be if he said you could be saved one way and you could be saved an easier way. You have to be martyred for my name. But they can live any way they want as long as they're nice to little old ladies. How unjust would that make God? If people have been burned at the stake in his name. And he said, because they refuse to denounce him as Lord. But he would turn around and say, someone who never even obeyed my word in the slightest way could enter into the gates of heaven. Think about what an unjust God. That would be. But God is holy and God is just and God is the same yesterday, today and forever. I think what we ought to do is stand. And I I know I haven't preached to make you run and shout. I think that we need to take our our friends, our families, and I think we need to gather around this altar. And I think that we need to pray for those who are lost tonight. And I think that we should pray more than just that they'd be good or sincere or nice or kind. We should pray that they would be saved. 
Pray that they would repent of their sins. Pray that they'd be baptized in Jesus' name. Pray that they would receive the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. Pray that God would give you the courage to stand. Pray for Mr. West tonight that God would fill him with the Holy Ghost and that he'd be baptized in Jesus' name. Pray for famous people. Pray for people no one's ever heard of. Pray for rich people. Pray for poor people. Pray for people who look like you and people who don't look like you. Pray for people who have things in common with you and for people who have nothing in common with you, but they have a soul that's lost and in need of a Savior. Is there anybody who knows how to weep at an altar for the lost? Or do we even believe the word anymore? If you have a loved one who's lost, there ought to be something in your spirit that wells up. There ought to be a burden that breaks out. There ought to be tears that flow. You ought to be interceding with, for them in the middle of the night. You ought to be waking up and running to a prayer closet on your own because the burden for their soul is so strong. But do we believe it? Or have we given in to the spirit of the world? Have we become Laodicean? Have we become lukewarm? Where we're not even sure what cold is and we're not even sure what hot is anymore because we're confused.